Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hi. So we're getting toward the end of the light leader. I mean, actually, it's R. It's November. It's R. It's the end of the word light leader. And the theme for this, this month is radiate. Okay, you saw the jazz hands. Yes. Radiate. And radiate means to extend, spread, or move like rays from a center, projecting or glowing with cheerfulness, hence the jazz hands, radiate. So this month, see if you can radiate from your heart, radiating love, radiating light, radiating the truth of who you are, just watch what happens. Meanwhile, enjoy the show. So today I get to have a, a I can already feel it, a very beautiful dance with this, this man who is joining me today. He's an author. He's a, a, a doctor, uh, an acupuncturist. I would actually even say that he has been a seeker all his life for truth and uncovered uh, deep, deep wisdoms that, um, man, we just need to have right now. So I want to welcome Dr. Jai, Jaw, Dr. Jaw Gottlieb. Correct. Right. That's it. Jaw. I will get it right. I will. Okay. So the name of your book is called, Ah, uh, The Pleasure Book. Nicely, nicely said. So, well, it, it's because the... Ah, goes on. And so I have to be straight up with you, Ja. It, when, when I got this book and, and uh, I was like, I was just, just looking at it. I'm like, okay, what's this, what's this about? And so I asked a couple of my girlfriends, if you received a book that said, ah, the pleasure book, what would you think would be in that book if you opened it up? And almost all of them said, oh, how to have a better orgasm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, but that's not that. That's not what this book is about. It's a small particle of what this book is about. This book, as as I've been perusing it, holds you, you, the information you researched and then put in here, like about the ancient Greeks and and how how do I say this? Okay. How we as a culture have been, oh, I want to use the word tormented. That's not the right word, everybody, but it sure sometimes feels like it, doesn't it? We've been culture, culturalized into a belief system that's not necessarily true and it's not for our highest good. Uh, I would use the word uh, disempowered. Disempowered. That's it, everybody. Yeah, disempowered. And this is something, Ja, that I have most of this lifetime intuitively rebelled against nice. is organized religion. There, you know, I 
when I was a child, I would spend the night at some friend's house and we would go to Catholic church in the morning because they were Catholics, practicing Catholics. Nothing wrong with that. But I remember hearing stuff and going, I, I don't understand. That didn't intuitively make sense to me. Didn't at all. And so you've got a lot of these pieces in this book. It's almost like um, this would be it's like going, walking into a small library where all the information I've been seeking is, is in here. Nice. So I appreciate that, you, that you've written this book. Thank you. So let's talk about uh, the seven. I want to talk about the seven laws that you have in here and then the four levels because it's so interwoven throughout the whole book. Uh, it's important for people to understand. So... Before we get to those, though, Ja, why this book and why now? Well, um, you know, I wish I could answer that. But uh, the truth of the matter is uh, I have been led to write this book. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that started over 15 years ago. Wow. So uh, it's, the book has just taken me. And as I've brought it together finally to a, a publishable form, I realize now is the time, absolutely. Uh, and that uh, really becomes quite clear in the very final chapter, like this is it. Yeah, this is it, it this is it. Uh, haven't gone to that chapter yet, but I will. What's, what is, I want to acknowledge is that this came out during the heightened uh, time of fear globally, globally. And this book talks about global belief systems and, and then universal laws and, and all of that, that every individual can tap into without, doesn't matter where you live or what, you're, yeah. what you grew up so, at. So this is uh you know, one of the, the main themes of this book and main objects of this book is to shift from a fear-centric operating system, which we are uh, at the kind of epitome of right now, yeah. to its antidote, which is, for lack of a better word, a love-centric operating system. I like the, that that better word, love. Yeah, yeah. And what would that look like? And, and how? What do we need to understand about love? Uh, I mean, love is really just another word for pleasure. So, if I could start with the four levels of pleasure, because I, I think that, that that will create a framework in which we can understand what what are we talking about. Um, it is true that most people, when they hear the word pleasure, the very first association is sex, which is, you know, uh, it's our marketing is all directed towards sex and then tying something to it to be sold. Right. And the reason the book cover is so plain is I realized anything I put on the cover would bias the reader. And this way, a person, it's a, it's a tabla rasa, it's a blank sheet and, mm. and people can project whatever pleasure is to them. And that tends to be sex. So uh, 
as a definition, pleasure is anything that feels good. Okay, anything that feels good, super simple, very common sense. Then from there, we can understand that there are basically four ways to feel good. The first and uh, most foundational is physical. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we know that we feel good? Well, it's a feeling, it's actually a sensation in the body that animates our body with uh, what we call pleasant sensations. So I think of it as a pleasure prism, or you can think of it as a pyramid. It's like a triangle at the base uh -huh. is physical pleasure. The next level is emotional pleasure. And emotional pleasure is where you find love, joy, happiness, uh, fun. These are emotional experiences of pleasure. The third level are mental pleasures. We have pleasing thoughts, thoughts that make us feel good, that you know my life is important and uh, meaningful, that I have enough money in the bank, uh, that my children are safe. You know, these are pleasant thoughts. When these three levels, physical, emotional, and mental, are harmonized and aligned, we naturally gain access to the highest level of pleasure, which just turns out to be spiritual. Uh, that is a word like love, which is used in so many different ways. So uh, at that highest level, I, I use the word osis, which as you might imagine has to do with ah. Uh-huh. And so you get to that highest spiritual osis level of pleasure, not by transcending the lower levels, but by descending, <laughs> by going down, working through your mental, emotional, uh, physical aspects of pleasure, and then voila, that spiritual door opens. Now, do you find that that's a, oh, I was going to use circular, I can't say the word, you know what I'm talking about. Or I see it as circular, you know, you, yes. you go up and, and it's not that you're going down, but you're going deeper as you, the, as you access your higher uh, awe. And then, and then you're able to go back down into the physical, mental, emotional. Yeah, yes, they, they inform each other. Mm -hmm. They inform each other. But I, I like to emphasize, most people think that, oh, you know, the physical, we, we have this association, it's a deep association, that somehow it's dirty. And, and, you know, when we go to the bathroom, we close the door, you know, we don't want people to hear us or see us, mm -hmm. because of that, uh, a sense of shame, what, what I call a fig leaf moment, right? Mm -hmm. It goes way, way back. And uh, so we tend to want to escape that physical and we tend to denigrate it but actually the way up is first you have to go down you have to bend your knees before you can jump oh yeah and sometimes you have to crawl on your knees before you get to the <laughs> altar right yes. yes yes that's right so it's interesting i'm just I want to tease out some of this stuff, Ja. When you said you call it a fig leaf moment. Now, <clears throat> if people believe 
particular books, right? And there was a fig leaf moment, right? But what if that taint necessarily so? What if that fig leaf moment is a human construction to uh, control individuals through shaming and blaming in order to, for the people that want to control, amass grand fortunes, political success, yeah, and absolutely back. That this is the this is why I said as you were looking for that word, I said disempowerment. Yeah. If you want to disempower someone, what what do you do? I studied uh, martial arts uh, quite a bit, and and the way you uh, disable a person is you first have to break their balance. Mm-hmm. You have to get them out of balance. And so it, as it turns out, biologically, we are pleasure-seeking organisms. It is fundamental. And, and we move away from pain. We seek, we move towards pleasure, we move away from pain. This, these are the two basic cardinal coordinates of our internal operating system that have been honed through uh, countless eons of evolution. And if you tell the person, a pleasure-seeking organism, that pleasure is bad, that pleasure is a sin, that pleasure is a weakness, you have, uh, as I write in my book, driven a wooden stake into that fault line of the psyche, that fault line that exists between our biology, mm-hmm. which is pleasure-seeking, and our cultural overlay. And if we turn our culture against our biology, we are disempowered. We are disabled. Yes. yes. And to me, that what you just explained, it explains why there's lots of poverty. Because it keeps you from, if you're not feeling balanced, if you're not sure of who you are or solid in your uh, life, right? Then it's easy to go into poverty. It's easy to go into lack. It's easy to be in fear the, and the, anger. The, the way uh, many people get into poverty is in our pursuit of pleasure, which is not a choice. It's a biological imperative, the pleasure imperative. Mm-hmm. In our pursuit of pleasure, because we are so confused, purposely have been confused about it, many of us in the pursuit of pleasure end up in pain and suffering. Yeah. And in that place of pain and suffering, it's difficult to work effectively. It's difficult to make a successful life. It's difficult to enjoy your life and have an enjoyable relationship with yourself or anyone else. So it's at the very foundation of our operating system. And we need to change that if we're going to make it as healthy human beings and as a healthy, sustainable species. Yes, and, and then that, and that also reverberates down to the earth as well. Yes. Yes. So how, how do you, what do you recommend in your book? Ah, uh, the pleasure book. Um, what do you recommend as a couple of beginning steps for people that want to really get more uh, 
back in their own yeah. life. So, so the book, the, the, you know, the, the first part of the book is called Assumptions. Mm -hmm. And many of the assumptions which you've, we've been talking about are relatively unconscious. We, we automatically think about sex, then we automatically feel embarrassed and shameful and guilty, et cetera, uh, that we thought about it in the first place. <laughs> and all of this is coming out of assumptions. Mm -hmm. So I think the very first place to start is to have the humility, the, uh, per, the understanding that maybe I don't know what pleasure is. Maybe all my thoughts about pleasure that I have been programmed from my parents from birth on, every time I watch media, uh, maybe all of that has been more confusing than helpful. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a, a fantastic beginning point. Because if I am willing to admit that maybe I don't know what pleasure is, then I can find out. Right. <laughs> I can investigate. And I can tell you, it's really interesting. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to uh, have a piece of chocolate or a scoop of ice cream, you know, and, or, or a fresh strawberry. Uh, and, and in the moment, go, okay, I, I'm feeling good. <laughs> What's going on? What, what am I actually feeling? Mm -hmm. What is actually happening here? Mm -hmm. and, and how does it work? And, and one of the things you may realize in that inquiry is the moment I say, ah, oh, this is good. I've diminished it. Okay. What do you mean, huh? Because, okay, you're making love and you say, Wow, this is just fantastic. In that very moment, you have stepped a bit out of the experience, objectified oh. it, uh -huh. and, and distracted yourself from what a moment ago you were actually experiencing. So, ah, and the reason it is ah is because there is no word, there is no concept. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. It, it ultimately is a felt embodied mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And the moment we begin thinking about it, we've disengaged slightly from that experience and diminished it. And, and so once you begin looking at this, how the cycle works, going into this spiritual, ah, you know, bliss and ecstasy, equanimity, which I, I say are the three gateways to paradise. Once you start playing in that paradise, that osis experience, and then break out of it back into, oh, here I am right. <laughs> eating the strawberry, uh, eating the chocolate. And you begin to see how pleasure works. Right. You know, it's so interesting to me, Ja, because uh, when I was going through divorce, and I, I thought I was going to die, you know, I mean, I was just going to yeah. die in a yeah. horrible divorce. And um, I had a couple of friends say to me, well, just let's start focusing on what makes you happy. I had no clue what made me happy. What, uh -huh. you know, now, years later, I know what makes me happy. I, you know, and I'm talking about 
all the multiple levels. And, and when you're talking about a fresh strawberry, you got, you got to have it with some really good stinky French cheese. <laughs> okay. Oh my. And I can still feel it when I have that memory come back in, you know, yes. it's, my body just got flooded with, with happiness. So, so you, you entered into the pleasure prism, which has those four levels yeah, through, through the mental yeah. thinking. You thought about a fresh strawberry with stinky French cheese. <laughs> and that then triggered an emotion and an actual felt physical experience. Mm -hmm. So we can enter into pleasure, into this feeling good from any of these four levels. Uh -huh. and, and they all work together. The final common pathway is the physical sensation. And it's because of those physical sensations that we know, ah, that feels good. That's pleasure. Uh, we know that something is beautiful, which is just another word for pleasure. Right. Because when we look at it, we feel pleasant sensations in our body. We know that something is good because when we experience that goodness, it fills us with pleasant sensations. Yes. We know that something is true because when we hear it, it resonates with our deep sensibility and knowingness. So uh, beauty, good, truth, these are just other words for pleasure. Oh, I love that. Uh, I love that. Okay, so then moving from the four levels, which is the physical, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual, then talk to us a bit about the seven, uh, the seven laws that you've written about in the book, because yes. some of them are ones that I, I believe in fully. And then the other ones I'm like, huh, I, I don't quite see that yet. So, so the seven immutable laws of pleasure, um, I, I'm very proud of this. I, I put them together into a book trailer. So, so the book trailer is uh, an introduction to the seven immutable laws of pleasure, which are, are, you can see on my website. It's at, you know, drjamd.com. Okay. Um, and, um, and it's very short, but it's, it's impactful because there are these beautiful images of the seven immutable laws of pleasure. The very first one, I don't want to tell you what that image is because it's to me, it's I'm really, going to watch it. It's the most beautiful. I, I mean, of the, all the images, that very opening image is so beautiful. And that is the first immutable law. And that's the law of original wholeness that we are born whole. Yes. That's the one. And when you put original on there, that for me, uh, gave that word, word wholeness more power. Yes, and, and it's uh, original it, because it's precisely the antidote to a bit of malware that was inserted in our cultural operating system. And that piece of malware is known as original sin. Yeah. So that's why I call it original wholeness. I love it. It's the opposite. And we are born whole. We are born from pleasure. We are born for pleasure. It is our origin source and birthright. 
So the, a lot of times when I'm working with myself or with clients, um, I'm, I'm claiming uh, and witnessing wholeness. Uh, and one of the things you said uh, is that wholeness cannot be achieved through the process of subtraction. Correct. And that hit me too, because in my entire life, I've always looked at what, where I'm not good enough. I think a lot of women do this, a lot of men. And then how can I fix that so I can be good enough? Or where am I not whole? Like I'm a type one diabetic. How can I change that so I can be whole? So the yes. original wholeness, just reverting to that, coming back, like we were talking yeah. about with the pyramid, the, cy so, the cycle of it. So most of us don't think in terms of original sin, okay? Because oh. that, that, that's way back in the past. Yeah. We think of a secular form of it, which is much more powerful and insidious. And I call that uh, original inadequacy. Oh my God. That, that no matter what I do, no matter how much I have, no matter what I've done, it's just not enough because I'm not enough. Original inadequacy. And I, I have a little story I tell in the book about going to Esalen. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, ground zero of the new age, a human potential movement. And going there with my daughter and, and telling her when we got there in the morning at breakfast going, oh, you know, these are my people. I, I know this scene, right? And then as the day went on and listening to people talk in the lunchroom and eavesdropping on some of the conferences that were going, we were just there for a day of visiting. I, I suddenly it came to me that, oh my God, th this is all about original inadequacy. Everyone's talking about, you know, what's wrong with me? What, what am I lacking? What do I need to learn in order to become fully potential, potentialized? Um, so original wholeness is a very powerful concept. The second immutable law of pleasure is the law of colors. And we've already spoken about that in terms of the four levels of the pleasure prism. It's a prism because the prism breaks white light into three colors, uh -huh. red, green, and blue. Just like the, every image on your computer screen is composed of red, green, and blue. These are the primary colors of pleasure, red being physical, mm -hmm. green being emotional, blue being mental. When those three colors come together in a well-balanced proportion, you get white light, which is the spiritual. So, and, and these uh, three levels of physical, emotional, and mental are not arbitrary. It, it's not something that I just made up. They correspond to the three levels of evolution of the human forebrain. Oh, I didn't get there yet. Yeah, yeah. So when you look on the very front of the cover, there's mm. a prism and there's these pictures. Yes. And, and that physical level has a picture of a reptile. Yes. That's the reptilian brain, the habit uh, primitive brain. Then the emotional is early mammalian, and that's symbolized by a rabbit. And then the mental, the cortical 
brain, which is uh, the level that most of us spend our time in, uh, that's the uh, cortical mental, and that image is of a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so those are the four colors, which are the four levels of pleasure. Shall I go on to the other? Yes, because I want to hear about the... Um... Okay. The third level is uh, the, the uh, law of contrast and comparison mm -hmm. that our entire nervous system operates in terms of contrast and comparison, which means no matter what you've got, uh, you're going to need to compare it to other things. And once you've got, gotten it, you're going to soon habituate, grow accustomed to it and start looking for something more. No matter how fantastic your partner is, how big your house is, how wonderful your car or job, that's built in. And, and then learning how to deal with that contrast comparison and use contrast and comparison to increase the joy and pleasure in our lives. And that's just a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to look at, I haven't gotten to that chapter yet, so I'm going there. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the fourth immutable law of pleasure is the law of thresholds. Yes. Uh, that uh, this is a very fundamental concept, which most people think that the opposite of pleasure is pain. Uh, like, like, okay, if, if pleasure and pain are my internal compass, then uh -huh. pleasure is the North Pole and pain is the South Pole. And they're at opposite ends. Right? Yes. I move towards pleasure and away from pain. Well, that uh, common notion just turns out to be false. The opposite of pleasure is not pain. In fact, the opposite of pleasure and the opposite of pain are the very same thing. So if our internal guidance system, if our compass is that far off wow. <laughs> to begin with, no wonder we get lost right. all the time, okay? So um, the, uh, as it turns out, thresholds is, is a statement that pleasure is separated from pain by a pleasure pain threshold. They are on a continuum. Okay, that um, kind of makes sense. Yes, the fifth yes. immutable law is the law of cycles, mm -hmm. which you already had reference about. Isn't this a, a kind of cyclical process? Yes. And absolutely. Uh, so I define three aspects to this cycle. Uh, there is active pleasure. There is the, that naturally leads to passive pleasure. Mm -hmm. And then it all comes back to neutral pleasure. Ah. Neutral okay. pleasure. Yeah, and it's like, huh, what, what the hell is a neutral pleasure? Uh, well, I, I, I don't want to give it, tell you all. I mean, it's, it's, but it's, what I can tell you is that Epicurus, who thought very deeply about pleasure, you know, over 2000 years ago. And I feel like my book picks up where he left off. No one has really gone into it in all those 2000 years, mm -hmm. uh, in part because of, uh, our cultural uh, malware. Um, Epicurus believed that the highest level of pleasure is equanimity. Yes. Neutral pleasure, which is why it's one of the three gateways to, to paradise. Okay. So explain to everybody, 
job of a um ataraxia <laughs> no no i got it. you're so funny the uh equanimity so yes. for people that don't really know the definition of that word yes um so in greek it's ataraxia which means a means not mm -hmm. and terracine the root uh, means disturbed. So ataraxia or equanimity, one meaning is to not be disturbed, mm -hmm. okay? In uh, English or English, which comes out of Latin, you have equa, which means equal, balanced, mm -hmm. and animus, equanimity, animus. Animus is the root for words like animation or to be animated or to have a spirit, to have an animal spirit. So equal spiritedness is ataraxia, is uh, equanimity, is what we call peace of mind. Peace of mind. Yes, and it's one of the highest forms of pleasure, which we often, you know, you have to go through a fair amount of, typically in our culture, a fair amount of suffering before you realize that the mere absence of suffering is a wonderful thing to be grateful for. I mean, yes. deeply, wow, I am not suffering in this moment. Thank you. Thank you, yes. And, and during the course of this last two years, plus 2,000, 3,000 years, the, the, the idea of suffering is at everyone's forefront and then the fear of it. And so then we're constantly running away from uh, our fear, which can actually maybe be a gateway. So, so if, if you're always saying fear, 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 fear of what? A fear of pain, fear of death. And if that's what I'm always thinking about, well, yeah, you're going to all, you'll, you'll be suffering immediately. Uh, to begin thinking about love and joy and pleasure is a whole nother uh, way of standing and being in the world. Yes. And, and it's what we need. So yeah. the, the uh, how to get there is uh, the sixth immutable law of pleasure. And that's the law of desire and surrender. Desire and surrender. Many uh, religious traditions uh, really uh, put desire down. You know, like the Hindus say, desire is like hugging and kissing the spokes of agony. Oh as, gosh. As the wheel rolls over you. Oh. <laughs> hugging and kissing the spokes of agony. Okay, that's pretty that hasn't intense. been my experience. I'll just say, yeah, yeah. And the Buddhists, you know, which kind of came Buddhism came out of Hinduism. Uh, they talk about you know life is suffering. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first laws of Buddhism. Um, well, that just is wrong uh, because desire is fundamental to being a living creature. We need to want things, and that's what motivates us to go out into the world, find food, find uh, community, 
partnership, et cetera. And helps so, us grow and evolve as, as human beings and spiritual beings. Yeah, without desire, we, we basically would die, right? Well, we yeah. just sit there. Right, so, just a couch potato. Yeah, yeah. Or, or as I write about in my book, a, a, a decorticated frog will just sit at the edge of the pond and not move until it dries out and dies. So desire is fundamental to our existence, but it's not the only game in town. So when people talk about the, the law of attraction and, mm -hmm. you know, oh God, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz <laughs> or whatever. Uh, okay, that desire is important, but it's only half of the equation. Yes. Right, we're always talking about balance, equanimity, yes. right? The other half of that equation is what I call surrender, or you might use the word uh, acceptance, or you might say the law of desire and surrender is the balancing of effort and relaxation. Now these are, so for, for those of us that do have a spiritual practice of some sort, I think everybody can understand what you're saying, Ja, that because that's the, that is that to me. And it's what I've been living for the last, well, most of my life, but specifically intentionally the last few months is to find that place of balance between the, 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 well, going back to wanting to be whole and then what do I take, what do I need to fix into that equanimity of where's the balance and the balance is, it is, it's a fine edge. It, it's, fine edge. If you start thinking about it in terms of desire and surrender, and that's what I'm trying to bring into balance. And of course, balance is a process. So it's not like, oh, now I'm in balance and I'm done. Right. It's a moment to moment shifting. You know, I want this, but can I accept what I actually have before me? And what is so magical, I mean, I call it magical because I can't explain it. When desire and balance come into, when desire and surrender come into relative balance, something magical happens. And I call it being in the sweet spot or mm -hmm. being in the flow of the Tao. Yes. And how can you tell when you're there? Well, one, it feels great. Mm -hmm. and, and that may be that peace of mind feeling great, or it might be uh, ecstasy feeling great, or which is the active pleasure, top of active pleasure, yes. or it might be bliss, the, the trough of mm. passive pleasure mm. or equanimity. Those are the three gateways to paradise. And any of those gateways, it feels fantastic. And the other way you can tell when you've got your desire and balance coming into balance is that the frequency of synchronistic events, meaningful coincidences starts to increase and things that you wanted are just appearing before yep. you that you look at it and you go, even if I wanted that, I couldn't have made it happen any better. Right? I often tell people that, uh, like I shared earlier, going through divorce and I didn't know. No. 
what would make me happy. And now my life is so exquisitely beautiful and I couldn't have written the story. Do you know what I, I, it all had to unfold through the suffering and the surrender and the desire into a place of, of, it's just, it's, I just get to live a beautiful life. Yeah. And it seems to me that life conspires to teach us about the law of desire and surrender. Like, you know, you can't have it all and, but you can have some things. And, And I begin one of my chapters with a quote from the Dalai Lama, where he says, sometimes not getting what you want can be a stroke of great fortune. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I've experienced that too. Yeah. So, Ja, your website is, I'm just going to say it out loud, it'll be in the show notes for everybody, is Dr. D-R, Ja, J-I-A-M-D.com. And because you talked about um, the book trailer, we're also, I'm also going to uh, make sure that goes in our show notes too. So people, when they come to listen to the podcast, they can go directly and watch your your book trailer. Yeah, yeah, great. So th- the the seventh immutable law of pleasure, which is the final law, okay, is in some ways one of the most important. It, it's called uh, the law of renewable pleasure, and the the title of the last chapter is renewable pleasure for a sustainable world. I got chills. I got chills. I am definitely reading that chapter. So everyone, the book is called Awe, The Pleasure Book. And I've been speaking with Dr. Ja Gottlieb. Thank you so much. A for, oh, I got chills, 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 chills. Thank you so much for the work that you've been doing. And thank you so much for writing this book. I it looks and feels to me like it's going to be one of my reference books that I'm going to have in my library so that I can, uh, because there's so much in it that um, I feel is important for people to know. So thank you so much for doing this work. It's, I, I, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Exactly. (laughs) Or as sometimes I like to say, and Awesome pleasure. An awesome pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at So That's it for today. See you next time.